Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Okay, I guess I can start. Um... So, I'm Kathy. I'm from Western New York State, and um, I am a grateful recovering sexaholic, um, and uh, my sobriety date is today, January 7th. Um, I got sober in 1993, uh, so it's 26 years, um, but I haven't had to act out in any form uh, of my addiction, my disease, and I just am so, so very grateful. I, I don't. I never want to lose... Um, sight of uh, or memory of what I went through and what my life was like before I got sober. Um, it was uh, it was really hell, and I actually didn't even realize how much hell I was in until I got sober and I got some perspective. But wow, I am so grateful. Uh, so I. Um, uh, I got abstinent in a food program uh, back in 1981, and that, um, I feel like after that, things just took off for me. And I should say that also that I, I come from a um, very religious background. Both my parents are gone now, but i um, very religious, and uh, there was no discussion of sex at all. And um, it was... Uh, I would say, an, an unusually or abnormally uptight type of situation. So this is like back you know, in the 60s and 70s. And so um, I was um, abused by my brother when I was about 13 or 14 years old for a period of time. And I mention that um, not to put a focus on it uh, or not to say that I'm focused on it today, but just to say when I look back, I think that that probably was the beginning for me. Of, uh, of my acting out and of this disease. I'm not, I was already an addict from day one anyway, you know, from probably when I was born. But, um, you know, that's when I remember. And, and I still see my brother today, and I, I realize that he also came from a very unhealthy situation and, in fact, that he may have been abused uh, by an, an older person, not in our family. Um, so, anyway, I just... Uh, that seems like a starting point for me, but it doesn't really matter when I started. I um, I was an addict, and it got progressively worse, and, and um, uh, my focus was on what I looked like and how much um, attention that I could get from men. And, you know, that's really the uh, the crux of my addiction. Um, it does, did come out in other ways. I had problems with masturbation as things progressed. Um, I... Um, uh, you know, a use of uh, different kinds of media, 
uh, things like that. But I, I remember when I came into this program hearing some things that I had never done or even heard of, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm blowing here. And, um, of course, that wasn't true. And uh, it just took me a while and more getting beaten up by the disease for me to realize that, you know, opened my eyes to the fact that I did belong. Um, and especially when I read the readings at the beginning um, that we just read. I, I mean, that's me all over. Uh, I absolutely belong in this program. Um, so, so I was um, having trouble with, you know, uh, in junior high, stalking boys, um, and I didn't know that I should be doing this, and I just thought that was the way it went, and all I wanted was a boyfriend, and then the boyfriend started, and and then, um, you know, I started in my 20s in, um, uh, in answering personal ads, which at that point were in the newspaper, and um, I was living in the Boston area at the time, and there was a newspaper that was kind of on the edge. Um, you know, it wasn't like a mainstream paper, and that's where you could find the personal ads. So I started answering them, and then at one point I put one in, and I was living in an apartment that I finally uh, was asked to leave because I was bringing all these strange men in and the women in the apartment did not feel safe. Um, but that wasn't enough to stop me. Um, I did not see anything wrong with my behavior. I didn't see anything unusual about it. Uh, I was always, always going for the next hit. Um, and I really was... Um, uh, the only way I knew to be free of the feeling of wanting attention was to go after attention. And um, so it was a romance addiction and a sex addiction. And um, uh, so I uh, just, you know, continue, continued to pursue men who most often were the, not the right ones for me, who were, you know, unavailable people, but that didn't really matter to me. It just whoever I was lusting after, I wanted to go find. And I have countless stories that I won't even tell because there are so many of me um, putting myself in an embarrassing position because of the fact that I was going after someone. And um, about a year before I came into, well, actually, it was, I came into SA in 1991, and um, at that point I had gone back to work after having my first child, so he was about three years old, and I went back to my office, the place that I had been working previous to that, professional office, and I started, um, you know, pursuing this married man there. I was married, too, I forgot to say. <laughs> I got married in uh, 1986, and um, I, I married a wonderful, wonderful man who I'm still with today, and, um, you know, I, I really feel like that was higher power that had me marry him because I was not looking for someone like him. You know, I was looking for someone who would feed my addiction, and he was not one of those people. He was just a really good person who wanted to get to know me, you know, and really loved me for who I was. So, um, but, but you know, the, the whole time, even before I started acting out, I was looking at other people. And I was interested in other people and less interested in my husband. And I didn't know, you know, where that came from. I, I guess I thought it was normal. I didn't talk to other people about it, so I didn't know. Um, okay, so as I was saying, I went back to work after having my son was three, um, and I started pursuing this man. And that was, um, it's almost like 
um, I think it talks about in the AA Big Book about something that sets us off. I don't know. I can't remember the exact story. But, you know, as an addict, I'm going to be, you know, there are going to be things that set me off. And I don't know why it happened the way it did because I was going around for probably 10 or 10, 15 years before this started. Yeah, at least of, you know, progressive, um, progressing in this addiction and my behavior. Um, but something happened. It's almost like a switch turned on. And after that, there was no going back at all. And I, it was like I went from, you know, going about 35 miles an hour to going about 80 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour with this addiction. And um, I had no way of seeing what the truth was. I had no morals in that area of my life, although I certainly had morals in other areas, but not in this area. Um, I really, really wanted to act out with someone outside my marriage. And um, eventually I found someone, um, someone else that I worked with who was, I'm sure, also a sex addict, and I, I became involved with him. And it was just about this time, I guess, that I, that I heard about SA from my sponsor in my other program who was hearing about some of the things that I was doing, like I was kind of telling her, and, and she said, I think you um, belong in this other program. I think you should try it. And I was like, oh, come on. But I went to a meeting, and I was in SA for really about a year and a half of going out, coming back. I was going to meetings. It was a very strong program um, in the Boston area and with a, with a lot of um, – certainly a lot of men who were sober and also um, other women, which was especially helpful to me because I was really hearing my story. So I couldn't say for too long, oh, I don't belong there, because I really, really did hear my story. Um, But I kept wanting to, uh, as an addict, you know, I, I go back, keep on going back and keep on going back to that same thing, even though it's destroying me. So my marriage was in a very uh, pr- precarious position. My husband knew that something was going on, and he was starting to... Um, anyway, after he heard that I was involved with one of his friends, um, he started you know, divorce, looking into divorce, and it was just after that that I got sober. Um, so I... The thing about this is that it, it gets, as I said, it's progressive. So it gets worse and worse. So what was something that would make me feel great about myself and make me feel that hit um, back in, you know, 1987 no longer was enough for me in 1990. You know, I had to be doing more. I had to be doing more dangerous things. And there was no way that people at my job didn't know that something was going on. I don't think my boss did, but other people did. And, you know, I didn't care. I didn't care. Um, I didn't care about my professional reputation. Uh, I just couldn't stop myself. And I always just was going after it. And um, I wanted more and more attention and more and more intrigue and more and more of the tease and the forbidden. Um, so so that was my main acting out. It was multiple men, hope, you know, that that's what I wanted. So as I was saying it progressed. So so 
so when I was in junior high, I had one crush after another after boys, which was partly normal, but partly wasn't because it went over the top and I was, you know, really chasing boys everywhere. And, and then, um, but then once I, it progressed, I wanted, and especially when I was doing the personal ads, I would uh, want to be dating three or four guys at once. And, um, and, you know, and acting out with them. And so it wasn't enough. It's like I had to have a stash. That's the way I see it. I had to have a stash, um, just like the alcoholic. So, <clears throat> so things reached, reached a breaking point. Here I was going to meetings and hearing that there was recovery, but part of me still was hanging back saying, I don't really need to do that. Like this whole masturbation thing, I don't really have a problem with it. But then someone, another woman, pointed out to me that some of my behaviors that I had talked about with her regarding acting out with self actually were rather over the top. And so um, I saw the light about that. Uh, but what forced me into, no, it didn't force me. I should say what, what got me into being willing to, to be sober for a, a day at a time and really, really just say, okay, I'll do it. Okay, I I really this program is 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 going to work for me, and I will accept it, and I will surrender. Was this situation with this man who was my husband's friend, and he was must have been also a sex addict because there's no way he would have acted out with me if he wasn't. And um, you know, my son was upstairs sleeping, three years old, and I'm downstairs, and my husband's on a business trip, etc. And um, that's when things really did crash down. Uh, my husband found out about part of what had happened, not everything, um, and, um, and he didn't need to. And, um, and that's when I was really forced to say, okay, I will do what you tell me to do. And just about that time, um, I uh, was let go of from my job, there was a general, you know, downsizing in my company. I was let go as other people were. And um, that was a blessing because I was also acting out with someone at my job, as I mentioned. And I got sober. Um, and I was working at another job um, where it, it was absolutely excruciating to get sober. It was really, really hard. And, and the way to know I'm an addict is that withdrawal is hell. And that's how I knew I was an addict, because if I wasn't, I would have been able to say, oh, this isn't a big deal. I made a mistake. I should not have done this, but I'm now going to be on a straight path. Well, I could not do that myself. I was absolutely powerless over lust. Um, it had taken over my life. I cared more about it than I did about whether or not I, my son was safe or whether or not he was taken care of during the day when I was gone or anything, I was, um, I had reached that amoral point to a really a complete, um, a complete point. So um, that's when I went through the process of withdrawal. And that's, um, like I say, I never want to go through that again. And I, I was, um, one of the, the man that I had been acting out with at my job found out what my phone number was. This was before, um, they were answering machines or anything like that. So I answered my own phone, and I did not know that it would be him on the phone. And he would call me to try to get to see me. And I would then hang up and call my sponsor in this program and call other sober women, and I would get the strength to not 
call him back and not act out. And I wanted to do it more than anything. Um, but the, the only way out was through. I had to go through withdrawal in order to get to, um, to be, uh, have the peace of mind, which of course I never thought I would ever have. And I don't remember how long it took, but it was, um, it, it was a little while. And, and actually, you know, so I went through this with, with the withdrawal, um, but at 26 years of sobriety, I still consider myself vulnerable. And I, I have a very humble attitude about my sobriety because um, the thing about, for me, the thing about having a lust addiction and a sex addiction is that I meet people all the time. You know, men come into my life all the time. So with my food problem, you know, I, I have a discipline around that, and, and I eat so many times a day, and I eat these foods and not other foods, etc. I'm not sitting in my kitchen with food around me all the time, but with this addiction, I've got, you know, any contractor who walks, the plumber, you know, or the guy who's going to work on, you know, the, the furnace. They're, they're, I'm susceptible. I'm vulnerable to um, my lust emerging around that. And that's why this program works so well for me. I, I did try um, another program um, that was 15 minutes. Hold on one second. Okay. I did try another program, uh, another S program, and um, it w- was going to give me the option to make my own bottom line. Um, which di- it didn't feel comfortable to me because um, at that point I I had gone to SA and so I knew there was a difference and for me I needed an absolute bottom line you know which is which is talked about in our you know the readings that we do at the beginning and what is sobriety I needed to have absolute definition um, and I needed to have a program um, that gave me the resources to stay sober so meetings. Um, and especially a sponsor and other people that I can call. Uh, I call women. I don't, I don't call men. Um, that's not to say that when I'm at, you know, retreats or conferences that I don't speak with men, who other sober men, but I, I don't make phone calls to them. Um, but, you know, every single day I call my sponsor. And um, so back when I was maybe like five years sober, Speaking of my vulnerability, I was in this choir group at church, and I definitely had this chemistry, quote-unquote, going on with this other man who was married to. And um, thank God that I called my sponsor and told her everything. Nothing had happened, um, but, it w- but it was getting there. And she, um, she said to me, I want you to call me every single day, and I want you to report to me everything thought that you have or any interaction that has anything to do with lust, um, and you're going to be honest and put it out in the light, and if something's coming up that might involve that, then um, I want you to tell me about it, and so we can share about it, and you, you can get strength and help beforehand. So that's what I have done ever since, because I came pretty close to losing my sobriety at that point. Um, so I call my sponsor every day. Sometimes I forget, but most days I call her, and I say that I am um, uh, grateful to be sober and powerless over lust, and I tell her about any issues. So, you know, it might be the the new 
couple that moved into the neighborhood, and I, I feel an attraction towards the man. Um, it might be, again, you know, a contractor who's coming who maybe came last week, and now he's finishing the job, and I feel an attraction to him. And it's, it's really just about how do I do this? How do I get through my life in a sober way? How do I live a sober life? I want to live a sober life. Um, being sober, I have a much lower threshold for, um, what's the word I want to use, tolerance for what's uncomfortable. So when I was acting out, I had to do more and more and more and more and more to fill up that hole. But now today, I can feel something that's very subtle. Um, you know, I, I, I'm retired and I, I'm at home. My husband's still working. So I don't, you know, meet that many men except, you know, in my neighborhood or in it, at church, for example. And um, occasionally I do come in contact with men who I can tell. <laughs> I should say I feel like I can tell that they've got the same problem that I do. And there are boundary issues, and there are things they might say that they shouldn't say, or maybe they touch me on the arm, or they give me a hug, or they, it's something. And I know what feels uncomfortable to me. And so those are the things that I report to my sponsor, and those are the kinds of things that if I know that I'm going to be around these men for some reason, some social event, that I talk to my sponsor about it beforehand, and we have a strategy. And I'm really, really, really grateful that my higher power gives me that, you know, that, that awareness, because I don't, I don't get that by myself. I do think, I do know, that if I was to say, oh, I don't need this program anymore. I mean, I've been sober for X amount of years. I figured this thing out, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it would be very long before I would be back into the thinking and eventually the behavior. So, um, so I'm just, um, I think I said mostly what I wanted to say. Um, talked about um, wanting to be sober today and have the willingness to do that and, um, and, and recognizing when I'm in a situation um, that feels uncomfortable to me. So there is a, I live in a lovely neighborhood, everybody's over 55 and, and just a lot of really nice people. Um, and, but unfortunately, my next door neighbor, who's the nicest man um, and I, I, I talk with him, you know, I don't know, while we're out, you know, mowing the lawn or something. You know, we, we talk. His wife's very nice. But when he drinks a little bit too much, which happens sometimes at parties, he gets too um, affectionate with me. And so I have learned that I need to stay away from him at parties. And, um, and my, I do not tell my husband about this because I think it would upset him a lot. So I don't tell him. Um, it's my responsibility to stay sober. And um, I talked to my sponsor about it, and like I said, we have a strategy. So um, I know where, where the danger zones are, and I'm really grateful. I know the other thing I wanted to say, that um, when I got sober, um, I had been abstinent, as I said, in, the, in my other program. Uh, I don't remember how long. I guess it was about six, five or six years. And I knew all about the 12 steps, and, and um, I had certainly done you know, 12-step groups, and I'd gone through the steps in various ways, open-step meetings, closed-step meetings, a way of life-step meetings. I'd done all sorts of things. Um, but I had never done uh, the really intensive, by the big book, step study um, process, and I started doing it about five years ago. 
um, with a step sponsor, and that changed my life. And I'm so very grateful for this program, that for the 12-step program, but I, I, I really just feel like it's made my recovery so much more total. I mean, not that I'm totally recovered, I don't mean that, but so much, so broader so that um, I really, really am living in the solution and the spiritual solution. And I just, I know I couldn't have that if I wasn't sober. You know, I've got to have some sobriety and able to get that in order to get that. So I just feel I am totally a changed person, although I'm still a lust addict and a sex addict. And that's the blessing and the, and the absolute miracle of this program, you know, that I can, I can still be that person and it's still inside me but I don't have to act out today. So I'm very, very grateful for you all. Um, I'm grateful that I found these phone meetings since I don't have meetings close by to go to. Um, I really, really appreciate the phone meetings, and I'm so grateful today um, to be sober. Thank you so much.